everybody. Welcome to the American Songwriter Podcast Network. This is All Heart with Paul Cardall. Welcome to All Heart. I'm Paul Cardall. I think you're going to love our guests today. They are a gentleman trio that do cinematic pop music. Consists of Brad Robbins, Casey Elliott, and Bradley Quinn Lever. The group is called Gentry. They've got several albums that have done very well on the Billboard Classical Charts. Their producer and composer, Stephen Nelson, I've worked with him. He is brilliant. No, he is not the cellist and the piano guys. He is the pianist that's helping these guys thrive. Very excited to have this group here. Gentry, welcome to the show. Well, I'm excited to have you guys on All Heart. You guys have several albums that have done very well on the Billboard Classical Charts. You performed all over the country. You're based out in Salt Lake City, Utah, among countless other Billboard charting artists like the Piano Guys, Lindsey Sterling. So it's fun because uh, I think a lot of the audience knows that we're kind of associated with, with the Utah culture, but I think the vast majority are very unfamiliar with our connection, and I told several people that Stephen, who is your producer and arranger, I've been able to work with him, Stephen Nelson. And it's not Stephen Sharp Nelson from the Piano Guys. It's the <laughs> it's the pianist. He's an amazing pianist, composer, and so he's done most of your composing. But why don't, why don't you go ahead and introduce each of each of yourselves and where you're from and and uh, let's start up top with, with Brad, and then we'll move to Casey and then to Bradley. Yeah. My name is Brad Robbins, and uh, I currently live out in South Jordan, Utah area, along the Wasatch Front, and uh, excited to be here on this podcast. Uh, I'm Casey Elliott. I currently reside in Layton, Utah, uh, originally from Southern California, but pretty much grew up in Utah, so I, I claim Utah's home. It's great. It's awesome. And Bradley Q? So I go by Bradley Q uh, for these purposes, but my name is Brad Lever, and I grew up in Orem. Okay. Excuse me. I, I did not grow up in Orem. I'm from Orem, and I grew up in Murray. <laughs> oh, so you're still growing up in Orem. I'm growing up still <laughs> your, in your wife. Your wife is raising you well? Yes. <laughs> That's exactly right. You guys are the gentleman trio, and to condense that for maybe website purposes, you became gentry. You went from That's gentleman right. trio to gentry. What, how, where'd the name come from? Besides being sophisticated gentlemen who sing incredible cinematic pop music. You know, it's a pretty, pretty amazing story that evolved over weeks and weeks of careful planning and consideration. We started a Google Doc spreadsheet and we put about 500 names on it and uh, all of them were horrible. And then one night after uh, reviewing those names, my wife turned to me and said, why don't you just call the group Gentry, short for the Gentleman Trio? And we're like, oh, okay. And that's it. <laughs> I mean, what would we do without the women in our lives? I mean, I, for me, in my life, my career, my wife is very essential. She worked on Wall Street. She has such solid advice. So Gentry, and I love that because the first time I heard that, I thought, I think it's a, it's a play on Gentleman and there's the tree O. Tree, oh, so it's perfect, it's perfect. Um, let me ask a question to Casey. How did you guys meet? So we all met in a production of Les Miserables. 
in 2014 in uh, in the Utah Salt Lake City area. And we, uh, it was during that production that the idea of Gentry was, was sort of born. So um, we were at my house playing, playing games, just hanging out. Um, and again, my wife, the women in our lives, uh, my wife turns to us and says, hey, you guys should start a music group. And I think we literally like laughed out loud at first because, you know, we're thinking the world does not need a 30-year-old boy band. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, but, you know, we started talking about it. And the reason she said that is because she, she recently attended an event where um, different musical acts performed. And she, she recalls thinking, gosh, it'd be so nice to have like a, a men's group that's like not a boy band, but a man band. <laughs> and uh, the more we talked about that, it was like, you know what, that's, that's kind of a cool idea. And Originally, we thought we were just going to do, you know, Broadway music and stuff like that, because that, that's our background is theater. Um, but we, we fortunately for us, reached out to Steven Nelson, like, I think yeah. it was the next day. Um, and that kind of started that relationship and his involvement has been critical. So you guys met doing Les Mis. So pretty much we have a trio of Javert Jean Valjean and Marius, right? Oh, so close, so close, so close. What what were your what were your parts in Les Mis? So I played Eponine, BQ played Fantine, <laughs> and Casey was a a young Cosette. Yes, a young tender tender Cosette. <laughs> this is this would have been good during Pride Month, I think. To have that, that would have been very helpful. I dream the dream. <laughs> so I'm going, that's so great you guys so <clears throat> so you've been doing theater pretty much most of your life then if if you were in Les Mis and um Bradley what's your background when did you start singing how young I, were you yeah I around 13 or 14 so it was the cool thing to, to be in choir all the cute girls were in choir you know growing up <laughs> in school and so my brother's kind of paved the way for me and I, I really love singing. And then, uh, then I did this singing, dancing, performing group and that kind of gave me the bug. But I actually didn't do musical theater until after, um, after I served an LDS mission, I came back okay. and, and jumped into it then. So that was 2008. Okay, so, so you waited yeah. till you're 21 yeah. to jump into musical theater. Yeah. What was the first, CD or cassette that you ever purchased? Who was the artist? Oh man, do I dare say it was the Backstreet Boys? <laughs> hey, I, hey, we were I, all there. I'm pretty convinced the audience would know that's not a problem here because you guys are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you know, you're more like the Bach Street Boys than the Backstreet Boys. B A C H. Yeah. <laughs> hey, wasn't that one of our name options? It would have been good. It would have been good. Casey, what was the first? Uh, what was the first album or cassette? That you, was it cassettes or CDs? Because you guys are much younger than I am. I, I definitely had cassettes growing okay. up, but you know, I was obsessed. You're you're gonna laugh at this, but as as a young boy, I was obsessed with Michael Bolton. <laughs> really? <laughs> I just couldn't get enough of him. I. I mean, between the voice and the locks, you just, yeah. 
uh, but no, I just, I actually, I thought I was black for like the first five years of my life listening to him. And then I, I saw a picture of him like, wow, he's a white guy that can sing like that. Right. I think that, that like inspired me to be like, you know what, maybe I could sing like that. Casey has this amazing wig that we've actually used in a few of our music videos. And we keep trying to convince him to come out in that for one of our shows. To say to, you need to, you got to do one of those. What about you, Brad? What was it? A Millie Vanilli record? Was it a Cindy Lauper? What was it? <laughs> yeah, you know, it was actually, uh, it was actually the Space Jam soundtrack. I think oh, was the first CD Space. that I ever had. They made some and, money. They finally yeah. made some money off that film. <laughs> to Brad Robbins. I, I remember I had to. I, I wanted the CD so bad. I remember one Sunday being at my grandpa's house, and uh, I, I told my grandpa I would come up and I would work in his garden. And all he had to do was take me to Target after the day of work and buy me the Space Jam soundtrack. And, uh, and I, I did it. I went and worked and got the CD. So Now, everybody has to know that uh, this is a Utah thing. Grandpas have gardens. And all growing up, we all had to work in Grandpa's garden. It was like required. So you got an album out of it. I got like $2. And grandmother made me a, gave me a popsicle. So that was <laughs> working in, instead of saying on the farm, we always say we had to work in the garden. So that's great. You guys, um, your faith, your faith is a big part of what you guys do. You guys are members of the Church of Jesus Christ, such a long Google. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, you've served missions, Mormon missionaries, um, where did each of you serve your mission? Because that's that's a two-year commitment. Obviously, Bradley, you know, he went out two years and then he did the musical theater. So so did the, and, and then where did you guys serve and how did a mission actually prepare you for what you're doing now? Let's start with uh, Casey and then Bradley and then up to Brad. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, a mission is, is something that kind of prepares you for so many different aspects of life, right? Because you're this basically a teenager, right? Um, and and you're, you're sent out on your own and you have to figure out how to live on your own and be your own person. And not only that, but do something that, that in, you know, a lot of cases is very, very difficult, very fulfilling, but very difficult. So I think it stretches you in ways that, um, that really impacts every aspect of your life. And, you know, I was fortunate to be able to, and I'm sure that the other guys can have similar stories, but I, you know, I was able to sing a lot on my mission. And um, I remember in one of our little towns that I served in, I served in Argentina in the okay. Bahia Blanca mission. Okay. Um, and there's this little town called Madariaga. And it was like famous in Argentina for being like the, the city of the gauchos, the cowboys, the Argentine cowboys. And we just like would go to door to door and like sing to people just as a way to like kind of get our foot in the door. And one of those people that we tracked it into and did that ran a, the local radio station. Oh, and wow. so he was like, hey, you guys are great. Why don't you come and, and uh, participate in, in the radio show? And so we did, and we went on, and the, he interviewed us, and we sang some songs. I found out later that that was like against the mission rules, but we didn't know. So uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe not today. They keep changing. Yeah, <laughs> but we did that, and and after that, it was like 
all, you know, so many doors opened up to us. Um, and so I, I think that was when I realized like, wow, music, music is powerful. Music can literally open doors. Um, and I think that that's, I've seen that happen, you know, even after the mission. I love that idea of Christmas caroling during the, the year and not waiting till the end of the season. And that got you in. Wow, that's awesome. Argentina, so you, you know, you're fluent in Spanish. And uh, yes. that's awesome. That's more awesome. or less. Mission Spanish. <laughs> Mission Spanish. Yeah, six, six uh, specific discussions. Yeah, uh, yeah. That you've memorized. So welcome to my church and come back to my church. <laughs> Casey, where did you, uh, uh, no, Bradley, Bradley Q, where did you serve? Yeah, so I served in Tegucigalpa, Honduras. Another Spanish speaker. Another Spanish speaker. And I just remember singing a lot on my mission and they all laughed at me. <laughs> you hadn't done musical theater yet, so. I hadn't done musical yeah, yeah. theater and I don't think they've ever heard like they, like the people that, that I was, you know, the incredible people of, of Honduras. They yeah. hadn't probably, hadn't quite heard a sound like with vibrato and stuff like that, singing these church hymns. And so they just would giggle the entire time. And, you know, <laughs> so. What was your favorite hymn to belt out in vibrato? Oh man, probably uh, "Venid on Me," which is what is that? "Venid on Venid on Me." Um, come unto me. Come unto me, or something like that. Oh, beautiful. It, yeah, yeah. Sing, 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 a, sing, sing a couple lines of it. Oh gosh, no thanks. <laughs> 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 okay, then we'll move up to we'll move up to. We'll move up to Brad and see if he's willing. Yeah, that, that's a hard pass for me. That's what YouTube's for. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Eponine's not very good at that one, so. That's right, that's right. So I served in uh, the beautiful tropical paradise of Moscow, Russia. Oh. And uh, back in Nos, 2000. Nostravia. Nos, Nos hey, yeah. there you go. There you go. Nazdarovia. Nostravia. Um, yeah, it's, uh, man, back in 2005, it was like the coldest winter it had been in Moscow since like 1925. And so there was literally like a two week period when I first got there that um, even even members of our own church like wouldn't even accept meetings with us because they're mm. like, you're crazy if you go outside. And I remember uh, my, my mission companion and I, we, we dunked a, a bath towel in water and we laid it out on... Uh, we had this little like sunroom in our apartment, like a little deck, and we put it outside for the afternoon. And when we came back that evening, we picked it up and it was just this sheet of ice. Like that's what you get for baptizing a towel. Whew, man. <laughs> but no, I, I echo what, uh, what BQ and Casey said. I mean, you just, um, you know, going out as a 18 year old, which is how old I was when I left, like you, uh, in retrospect, it's kind of incredible that you look back and say, wow, I did that. And, and kind of fearlessly in a way, like you ignorantly go into this experience, uh, just having faith that God's going to direct you and guide you and protect you. And, you know, by some miracle, help you communicate uh, in a culture and in a language that you've never heard before. Um, you know, and, and for me personally, like Russian was very, very difficult. I took mm -hmm. two years of Spanish in like eighth and ninth grade. I barely learned how to count to 10. And here I was trying to, you know, communicate in a language that was uh, not only foreign, but even the alphabet, you know, they used the Cyrillic alphabet and had to even learn how to read letters that I had never even seen before. 
Yeah. And uh, just truly an amazing experience that I think shapes you in a way that, that nothing else quite can. And to speak quickly to the, the music front, um, uh, our, the, the president over our mission believed really strongly in music. And we actually got to do one Christmas, a little tour of the mission, which took me to like, you know, four or five different cities with a couple of other um, elders and sisters I was serving with. So that was kind of cool because we got to see parts of the country that we otherwise wouldn't have seen. But uh, we got to, you know, share our love and passion of the Savior through music at Christmas times. So was pretty awesome. I love that. I love that. And obviously, you know, I served in San Bernardino, California. I didn't pick up the Russian. I didn't pick up the Spanish. Uh, but I did get an opportunity to learn, like you guys, about people who were different, diverse from what I grew up knowing. And I loved it so much because it expanded my mind the opportunity to learn how to communicate to people uh, transitioned into the music world, the music career. And anybody, whether you, whether you serve in the military, the Peace Corps, you go on a, a, a mission trip or serve even that long, um, I think it's very important for people to do right out, of, right out of high school to discover more about the reality that's not theirs. Yeah, yeah. Because it's a it's a real eye opener uh, once you get out there. How has a lot of the principles of serving people and the music? Obviously, you've said that music opens doors. How has that helped with the career that you guys you guys said? What year did you guys officially release your first album? It was winter of two thousand fifteen. Was our first official album release, and that was Noel. Right. Uh, it was actually a self-titled, uh, self-titled album. It was our little okay. seven-song EP that we released, and that that hit number one, didn't it? It did. It did. That's that's which is uh, what was that feeling like? Well, for three guys who, again, kind of on a whim, you know, burst onto the scene in the music world, um, it was it was pretty incredible, uh, and I think really eye-opening to. Uh, the impact that we could have with this group if we just kind of kept our focus on kind of the, the core message of what we were about. And did you guys start with a record label or did you start independently? We started with uh, with Desert Books record label, uh, Shadow Mountain. And, uh, and we were with them for about three and a half years. And then transitioned out. What was the, what was the main reason that you share with your audience of why you would transition from a company that is backing you, that is supporting you into uh, taking on all those responsibilities yourself. Yeah, you know, um, they, they were a great partner for us and, and uh, especially as, as we were sort of just starting out, <clears throat> I, think, uh, I think at some point we actually both kind of had this mutual realization that, um, you know, they, they kind of, they, they do something very kind of specific, right? They serve a very specific market and, and, uh, and do a great job at that. And, and we were able to benefit from, from sort of that, that expertise and, and their, their knowledge to that market. But um, we sort of wanted to go beyond that. And, um, and so, yeah, I think it was this, it was just kind of an interesting mutual realization of, you know, let's, let's uh, try, try something else. And, and they were happy with that. And we were happy with that. And um, it's been good. I, I don't know that, I don't know that it's necessarily changed 
that much of you know the direction that we've gone. Um, it's just it definitely has caused us to to learn more about you know the broader music industry, um, and you know trying to figure out how to how to make it work in the music industry and our genre. And um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's uh, I don't know if it's something we've we've thought much about other than it just kind of felt like the right thing to do, and it it seemed to work out. Yeah, and we've, you know, we've all worked with Deseret Book. They're a remarkable company, but they are a specific niche. They are owned by Deseret Management, which is a affiliation of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And so mainly they are targeting to, to Latter-day Saints. And yet, um, obviously, your music, my music, and so many of, our, uh, of the music that is composed and created in Utah has a global appeal and it seems like we start out there because that's the local scene. That's what's going on. And they're able to get music into, into a lot of stores. But yeah, we do outgrow it, I think, because um, we do want to reach the masses. And you guys clearly have been on the pathway to reach the masses. I mean, you've been performing all over the United States. You've performed with... Uh, Quite a few very interesting people. Uh, Kristen Chenoweth, you know, yeah. that's that's not a bad deal. Uh, she's amazing. Um, who are some of the other artists that, uh, I mean, I, anyone can go on your website, Gentry Music, <laughs> and read who you've been out there on stage with or opening up for. Who are some of the other people that you guys had the opportunity to share stage with? I think yeah, you all, mentioned, oh, go ahead, BQ, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, yeah, I think we were all pretty thrilled to sing with Alfie Bo. Yeah. He's an amazing talent. Mm -hmm. Now, you mentioned, you mentioned Kristen. We've actually performed with her a couple of times. And, uh, you know, so we, Alfie Bo, Idina Menzel, uh, for, a, for a Fourth of July event a couple times, we opened for Journey One Republic. But of all, the, of, of all the celebrities, we'll call them, that we've had the chance to perform with, meet, and interact with, uh, Kristen is is special. Um, she's she's just as as sweet and spunky off stage as she appears to be on stage, and I think for each of us that was that was a a pretty big reminder of you know authenticity um, and uh, just kind of staying true to who you are, what you're about, and that by doing that, like you know the the right people are gonna are gonna be attracted to what you do and, and to why you do it, and. Uh, you know, not, not to mention she's unbelievably talented and, and we kind of feel like this, this, really, uh, this really close relationship with her and her team. And I think it's just been a, a really um, a good reminder of, of how we want to pattern our career after someone who has just kind of stuck to her convictions through, through thick and thin. That's right. Yeah, she definitely has, uh, you know, she was recently interviewed by uh, GLAAD. Uh, because she got a little flack for going into to Utah to perform with the Tabernacle Choir because she's also a support uh, supporter of the LGBTQ community. And she said, you can't move the needle if you keep preaching to the same choir. And I love that statement from her because she is making a huge impact, a huge difference. And anytime you get a chance to work with somebody like that, there's advice that's just like, you just it's almost like you're so hungry for whatever information they can provide you. You guys have four albums. Is that correct? I think it's six now, if you it's can believe six. it. Six? 
I lost count, honestly. <laughs> so if you were to, if somebody asked you, what is my, what does your music sound like? What, what, what would you, how would you describe your music? I, I would describe it like this. <laughs> okay, Brad. Take your favorite Paul Cardall song. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and, and, and add and, some three, yeah. Add some. Oh, add three guys. Yeah, add three guys to it, and that's what you get. No, it's. I don't want to sell too many records. Come on now. <laughs> I, 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 I don't. I don't want to be any sexier than I have to be. No, I'm just <laughs> horrible, right? So that's all. Awesome. So we we describe our sound as as cinematic pop, and you know we we mm -hmm. like to joke say if our if our music doesn't make you want to run through a wall or cry like a baby, we haven't done our job, and that that really is thanks to the brilliance of our music director, uh, composer and producer, Stephen Nelson, not to be confused with Stephen Sharp Nelson of the Piano Guys, uh, who, yeah. who has brought this orchestral brilliance to our sound and has put these three unique and different voices together in a way that, that uh, just, just resonates with the heart and soul of its listeners. And you know, we, we, we've covered everything from the Beatles to Broadway to Queen, and we have a, you know, a deep repertoire now of, of many originals. Uh, we've, we've released a, a, a hymns and worship album. And I think one of our, our favorite, um, I think one of our favorite uh, types of music to do is Christmas. You know, we just, we love this, you know, the Christmas season and, and touring and sharing music about the savior. You guys recently did a video that I saw where you're in a children's hospital. And I know there's a lot of red tape to be able to pull off what you pulled off. And it was very impressive uh, to see you guys interacting with kids, giving gifts to kids. Is that part of your foundation, that video? Or what was the main purpose? And if you can explain more about that video, I, I, you know, everyone, please go on to their YouTube channel and, and see this video. But uh, you guys are very specific in your purpose and uh, what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. So there's a, there's a little bit of movie magic going on there. Um, we actually filmed that at the park city hospital at the time they had a wing that was being unused. Mm -hmm. And so um, I've got a good friend who runs an organization called anything for a friend mm -hmm. and they, they help families um, who, who are diagnosed with cancer, their kids are diagnosed with cancer. And so they have this broad network of people who are going through various stages of cancer treatments. And so I reached out to, to her and she connected us with um, the kids that you see in the video who are going through cancer treatments. Um, but we, we were so fortunate to be able to find that space because you're right, like being able to film in a hospital with HIPAA regulations and everything would, would have been nearly impossible, but the stars kind of just aligned to allow us to, to do that. And, and it, yeah, it actually ahead. took, it actually took us two years. So we tried it the year previous at a different hospital and, and you're yeah. exactly right. There was some red tape there and everything, but it just goes to show like if you have a, you know, an idea that you feel like will resonate and do a lot of good to stick with it. You know, we didn't give up on that idea and we, and we did it and it's, it's our most popular video now, I believe. Right guys. Yeah. Yeah. Robert Kennedy said, to dream of things that never existed before. And that's kind of what you guys are creating. I'm on their website right now, anything for a friend. And right off the bat, I see Sue Krupa Gray. Is she the one that you were in contact with, Casey? Uh, no, Ann, Ann Smith is uh, okay. 
one that I know, she she started that organization with a couple other ladies um, after her son passed away from cancer okay. uh, back in 2011. Yeah, because she was another great artist uh, who had a, a really beautiful career that's that's got cancer. It raised $2 million for cancer, that organization. That's really impressive. Um, you, and then your foundation, you guys do quite a bit to help alleviate the, the burden of uh, child sexual abuse, which is a very sensitive topic, but a, a, a massive problem in our, in our world, uh, the Unique Foundation. Um, Brad, how did that come about and why did you choose uh, to focus on child sexual abuse? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, it kind of stems back to um, the roots of the gentleman trio, knowing that, you know, we, we joke about it, but we were, we're just kind of early on decided like the, the world doesn't need just another music group for the sake of music. And frankly, as we thought about the, the kind of legacy we wanted to leave, you know, our children and our friends, our families, our fans, um, and frankly, what, what, what would we find most satisfying in our work? Because as, as much fun as touring and producing content is, you know, just like anything, like it, it becomes a job. And so what could we do on an ongoing basis that would allow us to continue to, to feel satisfaction and fulfillment in what we do? And so, you know, working with these, these groups, everything from OUR, Unique Foundation, uh, we worked with Rising Star Outreach down in India, um, has, been, has been incredible. Um, you know, why, why children specifically? I think there's a soft spot in all of our hearts for you know, the opportunities that we were blessed with as kids and, and, you know, goes without saying that as a kid, your potential is often determined by the opportunities, the mentors that are placed in your life. And in, in the case of, you know, literally millions of children around the world, like yeah. they, they don't have that optimism. They don't have that potential because of the circumstances they're in. And so it was pretty easy to get behind Tim Ballard, his team uh, and, and other organizations that were fighting something like that to give these children a chance to do something great with their life or as we like to say dare to dream do you guys feel that you are led in what you're doing or do you feel driven uh, i'll just i'll comment on that i you know one of the things that we've talked a lot about since the beginning of gentry is is how much we feel like things are led um you know like like we've talked about we we didn't necessarily set out to do gentry to, you know, w with any other ambition other than just like, oh, it'd be really cool to perform and eventually to, you know, be able to perform in, in these bigger concert halls and to do music. Um, but it was just, you know, three or four friends wanting to get together to do something fun and cool. And the longer we did it, the more we realized, wow, like we are being led. We you know, things just sort of fell into our lap and things we'd, we'd be inspired to, to do videos a certain way or different things. And, you know, just example after example of, of being led. And um, I think the result of that has, has, uh, has been a sense of being driven as well, because the more you feel like you're being led, the more you're driven to keep doing it. Um, so it's been a, that, that's been an interesting process. Did you guys spend a lot of time coming up with these ideas does some just come and miss or is it like is it a struggle is it you know i i think that 
it's interesting. I think that the the ideas for the videos have come in a variety of ways. Um, sometimes they come on an, on a, a flight. Um, they come sitting in front of the fire. Uh, they come, you know, in in discussion with each other. And so it, it kind of runs the gamut. Um, so I don't know if there's any kind of one one way. I we definitely don't sit down and and say, okay, let's come up with a really great idea. I think it. I think it just sort of ideas are are born and then they're discussed and and developed from there kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any other thoughts, guys? Yeah, I just was thinking. You know, I go back to Elizabeth Gilbert's book, Big Magic, and how this concept of how ideas are kind of floating around, waiting for you to to grab onto one. And it's been interesting as a group that you know. We've had ideas that we haven't necessarily, uh, you know, acted upon per se. And then you see another group, you know, produce a video with with your idea, or you see another in, in another avenue or an idea for a song. Um, so it's been it's been interesting. But yeah, like Casey said, they 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 just kind of come in 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 moments of, you know, it's interesting. I think you have to have a certain amount of humility to receive the idea. Uh, this, this concept that, you, that you're talking about, Paul, of you know, the difference between driven and led, it's a very fine line, right? Mm -hmm. as, as soon as you kind of force, try to force your ideas into the world, it's, it's kind of hard to, to explain, but when, when you sit and you listen and you think about a purpose and where you, and, 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 and how you're going to try to create something that will help that purpose, I think you're able to, to produce some really good things. I don't know if that makes sense, but. It makes perfect sense. You cannot force art. Yeah. It has to evolve naturally. And even, you know, in the music business, we spend a ton of money trying to shove music down people's mindset. Mm -hmm. and, and yet it's interesting because now that we have uh, the internet, which has been around probably most of your life, but now that you have the internet, you're able to discover music you would have never heard before. Driving into work today in Nashville, I thought to myself, how many people driving into work in Nashville are listening to music that no one will never hear? And how many are listening to stuff that's about to blow up? You know, that's mm -hmm. what's mind blowing is why do some of us get certain songs and others, you know, it's that, it's that, um, I call it holy envy <laughs> instead of jealousy, because it's like, why didn't I come up with that idea? And, and uh, probably because you're thinking, oh, that would have made me money. <laughs> what I want to do, I want to, I want to ask each of you kind of as we wrap up here, uh, starting with uh, Bradley and then Casey and then Brad. In your experience with this group, Gentry, what has been for you personally the most meaningful moment where you knew, you absolutely knew that you were born to do this, that your heart was all in, in what you're doing and what you're, what you're experiencing? Mm. That's a really tough question, Paul. There have been numerous moments, I think. Um, you know, one of the most 
rewarding things is hearing feedback from some of our listeners on what the songs have done for them. You know, we get a lot of messages from, from folks who have lost a loved one and they, they tell us that, you know, home or another one of our, or believe has made such a profound difference in their lives during that hard and difficult time. Um, those are the moments that, that remind me like, this is, you know, this is, this is why I do what I do. You know, that yeah. if I can do that in someone's most dire need, if I can share a gift for them in that way, then, then that's, uh, then I'm, I'm doing my job, you know? So I, it's, it's hard to, to name one specific moment, but there've been a lot of different ones. Um, but yeah, it's, it's great to be a part of a group with, that has music with that type of message that will help people in their, in their, in their hours of darkness, if you will. Because yeah, so much, so much bigger than all of us. Yeah. And we never realize the impact, as you guys right. know, of who out there is being touched and affected. And in a way, it's like we're conduits. We're just poets. There's poets and prophets. And we are just communicating what we're all feeling. But that is that, yeah, I'm with you on that. So that's that's amazing. Casey. You know, there there's two two experiences that come to mind. Um, the first is when I kind of had this this aha moment that there there was something to gentry, that the gentry could be, you know, a, a bigger thing than maybe we originally thought. And that that experience was uh, our, our very first performance, really, our very first legit performance was at a Salt Lake City timeout for women, which is an event that's put on by Desert Book, kind of an extension of, of, of our label at the time. And it was done at this, this arena in Salt Lake. And so there were probably, I don't know, 10,000 people or so in this, in this arena, the Maverick Center. And we came out and we had one song basically at that point. And so we of course did that song, it was Silent Night. And I think it was in November or so that we sang it. And we had no idea what to expect. Um, we didn't know how audiences were gonna respond. And, and after we, we finished the song, we got this huge standing ovation and people are you know, wiping tears away and, and we left just like floored. Um, and I think for me, that was when it was like, okay, wow, that, that, you know, you always want your music to resonate with the people you're sharing it with. And it clearly did. Um, and so I think from that point on for me, I was like, yes, there, there's an important work that we have to do here. And then, you know, we get the question a lot, like, what's your favorite performance? Uh, where's the, the, the your favorite place that you've performed and those types of questions. And for me, it was it was a recent performance that we we gave at the North Star Conference in Salt Lake City, which is a, a conference um, that's for the LGBTQ community, uh, LDS community, and um, you know, again, not really knowing what to expect at something like that. We'd never performed there before, and you know, it was one of the most like spiritually like powerful performances and experiences that that I've had, and I and I think you know, we can all probably say the same. We, we had a hard time getting through the set, you know, just really emotional. Um, and our Stephen, uh, Stephen is gay and um, LDS Living actually just released a, an article about him. And 
some of it touched on on that that conference where he basically for the first time publicly kind of spoke about um his life and his 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 journey yeah and uh i think that probably added to the the power of the whole event but um you know again just to see how the music impacts people like like bq just said um you can't underestimate it you know it really does have an impact it's not just fun although it is fun but it really can change lives yeah i love that and i didn't know that about steven but good for him for for doing that i had written a song with ty herndon who was the first openly gay country artist and we have a lyric saying bring your heart out into the open uh, people need to know your heart and uh, for their for the needle to move, as Kristen says, we do have to talk to another choir besides the choir we've always been singing to. Um, so kudos to you guys for, for doing that and supporting that. That's the, we do a lot of LGBTQ uh, uh, advocacy here on the All Heart Show. Um, Brad, what about you? What's uh, <laughs> top that? Yeah, seriously, right? No, I'll I'll just I'll just echo the sentiments of BQ and Casey as, and for me it's uh, uh, probably similar to BQ. It hasn't been one specific moment, but it's been these little breadcrumbs along the way that have that have reminded me of two things. Number one, that we're we're definitely doing uh, what we're supposed to be doing in our lives right now, and, and number two, that it's uh, it's it's not only fun but it's fulfilling, and we have this this. Uh, online series called lift where you live and I, I love the sentiment of that phrase that it doesn't matter where in the world you are it doesn't matter what in the world you do um, make a difference and you know it's you know some may look at us and be like oh it's easier for you guys because you're musicians and you're traveling and you're touring it's like no all of us have something to give we just happen to be musicians and we're all planted somewhere and there are people around us in the walls of our own home you know, in what used to be the walls of the offices that we work in, but in the communities that we live. And, you know, there are people in need all around us. And as much fun as it is to perform to arenas with thousands of people, I think I, I speak for all the guys when I say the most satisfying and fulfilling moments of our career have come when the cameras weren't rolling behind closed doors. And frankly, with, you know, during conversations and experiences and interactions that no one will ever see or ever know about. But just knowing that, you know, you get to live where you live, um, doing what we do is hands down that thing that, that continues to motivate and drive each of us to keep going. The one by one experiences, the women at the well experiences where you just have that one fan and you get a moment with them. That moment for them is a memory they'll never forget. You know, with musicians, I, 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 compare musicians sometimes to, to surgeons. Some, so I'm very familiar with surgeons. And surgeons will come in and if they, they operate on thousands of people, we sing, we play music for thousands of people. But in that moment, that patient, this is a life defining moment, that fan getting that opportunity to spend time with you. That's a life defining moment. The Make-A-Wish Foundations, the kids that wanna meet you, all that stuff. And how we react and behave in that moment with that person sums up our whole career. If we don't give that person what God gave us, we've, I don't think we've done a very good job 
with what we've been given. But kudos to you guys. You guys are totally above and beyond all heart. So I'm very excited to, to share you with everybody and thank you guys for coming on the show. Is there anything else you'd like the audience to know? What's the last, what's the latest album? Do you have anything else coming out or what's the latest? Yeah, we, uh, we, our last album was uh, Noel Christmas album and uh, we are releasing, are we releasing a single this year guys? Is that happening? Group meeting. What's what's the deal? <laughs> we are releasing a music video from a song from that album here in a couple weeks. So okay. a lot of content with uh, with COVID and quarantine coming your way. So is that the is that the one where you guys got a piano into a swimming pool? <laughs> no, that that is a, a mashup of of uh, Rise Rise Up and I Lived. Okay. Okay. Um, that we did with. <laughs> uh with dixie state okay i was oh, gonna say yeah paul did that make your heart shrink it's just like oh what have they done put the piano in the underneath the pool no that just means <laughs> i don't have to play it tonight <laughs> <laughs> and i feel bad for the tuner that's gonna be that's fantastic yeah i'm seeing it right here on your youtube channel wow you put a piano and and steven is on the piano he's breathing through a scuba scuba machine that is awesome but well, he was underwater he was underwater for about 45 minutes while we while we did that part of the video and uh the so it got pretty cold under there uh and so it was pretty funny when he was done shooting he he got out of the pool and he walked around the the pool deck and just you saw him walk in his tuxedo into the hot tub and he just sat there <laughs> I was going to say, this is like uh, Patty. He's got, probably got his Patty certification. <laughs> Being down there that long, you have to spend so many hours in there for the scuba, scuba license. So, well, everybody go check out uh, Gentry's website. It is gentrymusic.com. Ask Alexa, unless you're more faithful to Siri, to play Gentry. Thank you guys for being on All Heart. Thanks, Thanks for having us, Paul. Paul. Thank you guys. Talk to you later. All Heart with Paul Cardall goes beyond the typical interview podcast to dive deep into life's biggest issues. Born with a congenital heart defect, a two-time survivor of endocarditis, and a heart transplant recipient, Paul has a unique perspective that facilitates powerful, educational, and engaging conversations about overcoming obstacles and making the impossible possible.